The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for the next level of leadership? It's going to be here before you know it. Today's leaders need the skills, connections, and savvy to become top professionals in their fields. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet people who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Today, our guest is Amy Barnes. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of Metcalf & Associates. I'm an executive advisor, consultant, speaker, coach, and author of an award-winning book series with Amy, in fact, focusing on helping leaders innovate how they lead. I also am an adjunct faculty in universities in the U.S. and Germany. I'm really excited to have Amy join us. Our book, Innovative Leadership Workbook for College Students, (laughs) was published in January and used at The Ohio State University in January. So we rushed it to get ready for class. Uh, Dr. Amy Barnes is a faculty member at The Ohio State University in the College of Education and Human Ecology and coordinator of undergraduate leadership and service learning courses for the Educational Studies Department. She teaches graduate and undergraduate courses in leadership development, group dynamics, case analysis, and critical perspectives on leadership. Her research and teaching interests include critical pedagogy, curriculum development, organizational culture and group process, transformative learning, and how all of those areas of study relate to student leadership development. Amy has consulted on leadership and organizational development locally, nationally, and internationally since 2005. She is also the co-author of the Innovative Leadership Workbook for College Students. One of the reasons that I am focused on college students specifically in this show because we're focusing on helping leaders innovate how they lead so it might seem a strange connection to add college students but I am quite aware as we look at these trends of leader 2050 and how our world is unfolding that effective leadership is foundational to getting us through the challenges we're going to face and without creating a pipeline for effective leaders we will not leave the legacy for our children and grandchildren that we hope. So I really wanted to focus in this session in uh, talking to Amy on how we as leaders build the next generation and starting in college and those coming shortly out of college. So in the series we talk about helping leaders innovate how they lead and I realize we're talking about students today, one of the things, I I start the show with this almost every time, I hope that the time you invest in this show, you are able to hear something that you take away and implement 
quickly in your life. In this case, maybe you'll hear something that you implement yourself, and most likely you'll hear something that you can implement with the young leaders and young people in your life. And so I do hope that you hear something that is of value immediately and that you can invest that time in shepherding our young leaders. So Amy and I will talk about developing leadership skills among college students, and I would say, and among young people. She'll share her experience teaching leadership at The Ohio State University and her global experience as well. And she'll share the underlying frameworks that shaped this book specifically on college students. So Amy, give us a little bit of background. And I talked about briefly why I do this. You've dedicated your entire career to helping college students. Why? Why? <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> well, um, as you mentioned, I've been working with college students for about 19 years now, um, working on college campuses in a variety of roles, teaching for about five years. Um, for a majority of that time, I have been facilitating experiences for students that have allowed them to grow and develop as leaders. Whether that be, you know, planning a one-day workshop for students on a particular topic or planning a week-long leadership conference for 80 incoming freshmen, which I have done in my career. Um, the, but the key is that, so my training and my degree is actually, my, my degrees, my master's mm -hmm. and, my, and my doctorate are actually in a field um, called higher education and student affairs, which focuses, it, it's a professional degree that trains university administrators who are going to be working with college students and supporting them in their development mostly outside the classroom. And so what we learn um, in those degree programs and what I now teach in that degree program mm -hmm. at Ohio State um, is really the psychosocial, cognitive, moral development of college students, which I have taken that and then applied that learning about how people develop at a young age mm -hmm. to leadership. Okay. So how do we facilitate leadership skills thinking about all of those contexts in which young people are growing and developing during that time in their lives um, and how do we facilitate leaders how do we create mm -hmm. as you mentioned the pipeline that allows them to step off the college campus when they graduate and make a difference mm -hmm. in society um, and it's what a lot of our university and college mission statements say that we want to be doing we want to be growing citizens leaders mm -hmm. global mm -hmm. leaders you know we use this language and we you know, need to be backing that up with actual experiences that allow students to do that and develop. And the work you're doing is relatively new, right? Um, you know, I think we've been doing it for a long time. I think we haven't been maybe researching it in a scholarly way okay. um, prior to, say, the early 90s, specifically focusing on student leadership development. There's been mm -hmm. sort of a surge um, mm -hmm. in really studying the mm -hmm leadership development of college students more recently. Um, mm -hmm. But we've been doing this work. We just maybe didn't name it okay. as leadership development yeah. earlier. Yeah. Um, but we were, and now we're starting to understand it more mm -hmm. and be able to adapt our approaches um, to really accommodate the unique needs of someone who's in their kind of young adult stage of life. It is certainly our book was different than prior books. Right. And a lot of... Right. A lot different. A lot different. <laughs> Well, and one thing that I found fascinating was that students from different areas, so we had a business student, a young man, ath athletically focused from Ohio, 
we had a business student female academically focused from China and a female student who was an English major, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more focused on more education. More arts and sciences and education. Mm-hmm. And they were, they were significantly different in mm-hmm. their responses. Right. Right, so because, <laughs> because developmentally, students are at all different stages, um, at, you know, during that time frame, and they are heading towards very different and unique goals. Um, but I would argue, and I think we'll get into this a little bit as we talk, that a lot of the needs um, for what kind of students need to be thinking about and, and focusing on in their development during this stage is actually quite similar across okay. different disciplines or different, you know, life goals, career goals that students may have. And that's one of the things you're finding from your research, then, mm-hmm. that consistency, yeah. which yeah. I think we found from the book experience as well, right. that a similar structure, even though what they are growing into is quite different, right. the right. foundation was consistent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. So what makes leadership development in college unique from other areas of leadership development? I think college, um, and in, in college obviously exists in many different forms. Um, students are attending all different types of universities across the country, across the world. Um, but I think one thing that is um, similar across those different mm-hmm. contexts is that college is a little bit of a, a practice field for life. Okay. And students have opportunities to get engaged with leadership typically among their peers Mm -hmm. um, through things like student organizations, sports, whether that be intramural sports, club sports, varsity sports, um, through, you know, campus jobs, off-campus jobs, volunteering opportunities. You know, you have this, um, you know, flexible schedule as a college student. You have, you know, time that you can possibly commit to, you know, getting invested in some of the things you're Mm -hmm. passionate about, um, issues you care about, and and then you have the opportunity within that context to try different things, to try different avenues, to try different arenas, to think about what you want, Mm -hmm. um, and then ultimately to... uh, practice being a leader in those mm-hmm. contexts mm-hmm. there's lots of opportunity to do that whether that be an official position like a president or a treasurer mm-hmm. some sort of executive board member in a in a student organization or uh just being an active member mm-hmm. of an organization mm-hmm. and contributing in positive ways mm-hmm. to what's happening um in the within the sphere of the college campus or mm-hmm. with local organizations nonprofits. you know you have that chance you also have the opportunity mm-hmm. to fail and grow and make mistakes and learn and develop in a way that is unique. It's not as risky, maybe, Mm -hmm. as it is out in the career world um, to have to, uh, you know, be fearful of of what what a mistake might mean. (laughs) A mistake on a college campus, you know, figuring out how to lead is, it's a much safer, more supportive environment to do that in. Anything that, other than being arrested, I'm probably fine. Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, and it was fun to read the student case studies and work with them because it was clear where they were stepping out and trying new things. Mm -hmm. And teaching this work with young engineers has been fascinating. Yeah. Because... Where they focus on the technical skills and where we're focusing on leadership skills, obviously different. Well, I think that's really common with something I'm observing about today's Mm -hmm. generation Mm -hmm. is that they are very 
uh, career focused, mm-hmm. even right out of high school. They're thinking about what skills, what knowledge mm-hmm. do mm-hmm. I need to acquire in this particular field that mm-hmm. I'm interested in pursuing. Uh, but they're not necessarily thinking about what does it mean when I get out and I'm all of a sudden managing people or I'm all of a sudden a part mm-hmm. of a team. Mm-hmm. And what what skills and abilities and mm-hmm. and you know uh, areas do I need to be thinking about in my development for those for those aspects? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I think that it's uh, in some ways more needed now mm-hmm. in a lot of ways oh, that we're focusing okay. on some of this for college students um, because it's this whole notion that maybe back when we were young was a part of the college experience. You know, the finding yourself yeah. um, part of the college experience. It's not as as prevalent today um, finding as yourself a goal. stuff isn't yeah it's not a goal as much for students that, that hmm. I, when, the ones that I talk with it's more you know, I, you know I think about students being on almost this sort of treadmill to success ah got it okay. and they are in some ways scared mm-hmm. to get off the treadmill and mm-hmm. take a pause and mm-hmm. spend some time thinking and reflecting about who they are because there's so much emphasis on getting from point A to point B you know, that point B, mm-hmm. being that job <laughs> that yeah. you hope to get when you graduate, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that they're they're not taking the time necessarily. They're they're filling their resumes there, which is there's not it's not all wrong. You know, right. it's, it's yeah. a, there's important aspects yeah. to that, but they also are graduating in some ways without really taking that time to think about who they are, what impact do they want to make in the world, mm-hmm. um, how do they interact most effectively with others mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. them um, what is the greater context you know that they want to live in mm-hmm. and so I think it's really important that we're have creating leadership experiences on, on campuses for students uh, that students are taking leadership courses that um, that's a, a part of their college experience perhaps um, at Ohio State we recently created a leadership studies minor Mm, um, okay. Which is wonderful. I, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on board <laughs> for that being a, a great opportunity for students to. You're actually on the board. For I am. Well, yeah, I'm very, <laughs> very supportive of that initiative. Um, and I think that, you know, a student who majors in engineering, for example, mm-hmm. or biology or nursing even, you know, to be able to add and supplement their curriculum with, you know, a few uh, leadership mm-hmm. courses is, is only going to make them, you know, even more effective in, in their roles post-graduation. It's just because I typically teach MBAs, mm-hmm. just teaching or, or recently teaching undergrads and specifically engineers has been fascinating because mm-hmm. they're, to your point, they're working so hard to get great grades in their classes and do their internships. And so the idea of slowing down to reflect, but what we do in the workbook for many of them they're asking questions they've not asked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I mean, certainly that's the point of doing the class in the book is that yes. they learn something new. A- and it just strikes me as how important building in those reflection skills early mm-hmm. so that they are aware when they need to course correct. Yes. A- and that they have the choice. It's been interesting, again, it, students who are graduating with a degree in an area that they continued because they didn't know they had a choice to change. And now at 22 or 23, 
they're asking the question like I may not like this thing I have a degree in yeah and I may not want to dedicate my life to it it's it's okay for a little while but what do I do that's the scary side for students (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. well and those of us who've changed careers a few times get that that, that's not terminal but at that moment it is Mm -hmm. and teaching the ability to reflect early and course correct Mm -hmm. seems huge Mm -hmm. yes I actually uh, hosted a discussion recently in one of my classes with some community leaders here from Columbus who um, I specifically worked with um, an organization in town called the Columbus Partnership to mm-hmm. select mm-hmm. to select leaders to join us who had had significant pivots in their mm. careers. Mm-hmm. Because we I don't want, call those failures. We no, call we pivots, call them right? pivots. Uh, <laughs> I, even if they, you know, I don't. In some cases, they might be failures. In others, they might just they be... They may feel or, like failures. Right. They may feel like <laughs> failures, but um, but truly, they're not. And yeah. I wanted my students to be able to see that these incredibly successful people at you know slightly later stages in their lives had not had it all figured out mm-hmm. at age 22 and had managed to, you know, take those degrees that might have been very specific to a particular industry mm-hmm. and utilize them elsewhere. And I think that's really important for students to be able to see that it's not, you know defined at 22 mm-hmm. <laughs> your future entirely we did an interview with sherry peck um who when i at one point was running the mba program at capital and she talked about her career path and and as did i and neither of us are doing anything similar to what we right. what we thought would exist doesn't even exist anymore mm-hmm. right so right. It, and as we look at especially for our young folks now some of the careers they're going to step into won't exist when they enter college. Right. And when they exit, they're doing something that the training they received is directly applicable. Mm-hmm. But that learning to pivot, which we teach in leadership school, yes, is a huge skill. Mm-hmm. And managing the emotions that go along with the feeling of failure. Correct. That's huge. Uh, there are lots of students nowadays who... I think have done a really good job at preventing failure in their lives, mm-hmm. managing mm-hmm. their lives in a way that whether they just choose not to take significant risks or really mm-hmm. are getting good at evaluating, you know, I might fail at this, so I'm going to pick a different path. Yeah. Um, or just do fail, but don't process it fully. You know, just kind of move on um, and don't really. And then students who really are afraid to even call something a failure. And I think that's you know, understandable in the culture mm-hmm. that we live in, mm-hmm. you know, they call it a good a learning experience, which is, which is fine. Uh, but it's also good, I think, sometimes to admit that, yeah, I really screwed that up. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm going to do it again soon. What, what, you know, what would I have done differently if I, you know, had gone back and what, and what do I hope to do differently in the future and really mm-hmm. evaluating that. Um, I actually assign that as a reflective experience in my classes oh, really? to talk about a, a past failure that yeah. you've had and to really reflect on it and spend some time on it. And it makes students really uncomfortable to have to live in that space for that two-page, three-page reflection paper. Um, mm. And I think that's a healthy process, right? Because you're developing resilience to future mistakes when you're processing through you know, ones that you've recently experienced, yeah. right? And, and that's huge. Well, and think about all the mistakes. I don't know about your life, but mine has been full of them. Yes. And if I were disabled by a mistake, I I wouldn't be where I am. Exactly. Exactly. And it's that resilience Mm -hmm. that I think you acquire over time, Mm -hmm. but that I see, you know, 18, 19, 20-year-olds really not having processed yet. 
at their stage in life. So is that a question of our brains aren't yet fully developed or is it a question of a societal shift that we start early with the focus on you've got to get good grades, you've got to get into the right college, you've got to get into the right job. And so my path is set when I'm 10, Yeah. when I get into the right early I, school. I think there's a little bit of that, for sure. I think the society has... You know, we've created this environment of competition, and students really feel it. They they tell mm-hmm. me that they feel it in high school. Um, you know, the whole college application process is mm-hmm. pretty a, a pretty powerful experience for students. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some of them have experienced disappointment and failure at that stage. You know, if they haven't gotten into the school that they hope to get into. That's a good learning experience. But mm-hmm. um, sort of that being on that treadmill that I mentioned before is what people, how people feel. So let's take a break at this point and okay. we'll come back and talk about more about how what is most important with college students. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. If you are a small business owner or a creative freelancer in pretty much any field, you can't miss Let's Get Radical. Your hosts, Jody Paydar and Liz Gold, will help you redevelop your plans, policies, and practices to take a radical turn in order to achieve new success. They spotlight the latest in technology, attitudes, what others are doing, and what can help you. Tune in every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And let's get radical. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Our guest today is Amy Barnes, and we're talking about developing student leaders. 
So Amy, what do you think the most important steps that a student can take to get involved with leadership on campus? We've talked about classes, but mm -hmm. you also lead a lot of other opportunities. Mm -hmm. I honestly think the best thing that a student can do is to talk with a faculty or staff member on campus about their interests okay. and let that person know what you know issues they're interested in, what experiences they would mm -hmm. like to have, how they would like to grow and develop while they're in college, and then let that person refer them on okay. to whether it be opportunities that they might know about or just other people that might know how to help them. Faculty and staff um, on university campuses it, it may not always feel this way to students, <laughs> but they actually are pretty approachable, and um, they are or just older, <laughs> right? And most of them are pretty invested in the success mm -hmm. of students. Mm -hmm. That's why they do what they do. Um, mm -hmm. And I think students can sometimes be intimidated or scared to mm -hmm. approach um, a faculty or staff person, but it is probably one of the best things you can do by, you know, visiting office hours, making an appointment, reaching out via email, requesting a meeting. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. very simple. I think you will be pleasantly surprised about how many people are willing to sit down with you and talk and mm -hmm. really try to help you and be supportive of mm -hmm. you in your goals mm -hmm. while you're a student. And, you know, this leads to kind of another topic that I think is really important in leadership development, one that we talk about in the book, which is mentorship, the, important mm -hmm. of finding, the importance of finding yeah, a mentor. Yeah. That conversation could lead to mentorship. It could lead to that person looking out for you while you're there, you know, while you're studying mm -hmm. um, on that campus or that referral that that person makes could, you know, wind up being a mentoring opportunity for you. So seeking those mentors, um, I think, is really important. But even just asking the first question about how to get involved from the start mm -hmm. is key. So if I'm looking for a mentor or I want to be a mentor, mm. how do I start? Mm -hmm. What does it even mean? So I'm yeah. successful in my career. I want to reach back and support students. But just walking around campus starts to feel a little creepy. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think there are some established mentorship programs through specific colleges or departments. Mm -hmm. um, so if you've a degree from a particular field, you could contact, mm -hmm. say, the Career Services Office for okay. that particular area okay. and say, I'm interested in mentoring mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. someone in this area. You know, do you have an opportunity or a way for me to get involved mm -hmm. in that way? Um, and then I think, you know, if you're, an, if you're an alum of a particular institution, mm -hmm. um, you can reach out to, like, the alumni office, perhaps, and say, you know, this mm -hmm. is a way mm -hmm. that I'm interested in getting involved to, mm -hmm. to be a mentor for a college student. Um, but I think, you know, it really, in some ways, I, I like to put the onus on the student to, okay. because I think that's a valuable life skill okay. to be able to seek out a mentor um, because mm -hmm. it's a little bit scary, and but it's also incredibly valuable for your future to be able to, and you don't, you don't have to walk into someone's office and say, will you please be my mentor? Um, <laughs> it's a gradual process, right? You develop, you know, a relationship with someone yeah. uh, who is invested in you and, mm -hmm. and you are, you know, hoping to uh, learn from them. You know, and so you can facilitate that as the student or as the as the young person um, by asking for someone to help guide you. So we we use the mentor the word mentorship often. Mm -hmm. it, and can you give the definition? Because I think probably many of us have different a different sense of what that means than others. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can give you my definition mm -hmm. of what I believe. Yeah, sorry, I wasn't yeah, expecting the yeah. dictionary definition. <laughs> the scholarly <laughs> definition. Um, my definition of mentorship is someone who is an excellent listener, um, is uh, asking good questions, mm -hmm. 
I actually teach that to my students that I think one of the number one skills that you can develop as a leader is to be a good mm-hmm. question asker. Mm-hmm. And I think as a mentor, if you're asking questions, you're actually facilitating reflective learning okay. for that student. You're not okay. telling that student what, what to do. You're not giving that Got student it. advice. You are asking questions, then listening to what they're talking about, what they want mm-hmm. to get out of their experience. And then you're guiding and then you're referring to resources, mm-hmm. referring mm-hmm. to additional people, um, referring to opportunities. You know, did mm-hmm. you have you heard of this, you know, this internship that exists? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you should apply for that. I'd be happy to write you a lot of recommendation if you're interested in applying. Okay. Or, you know, there's an agency in town that does the work that you're interested in. I happen to know someone who works there. Would you like me to set up a meeting between you and that person to talk about getting involved in that? You know, like, how can you connect that individual mm-hmm. to opportunities for their own growth and development? And then how can you just be a sounding board for okay. those learning experiences yeah. that they're having? So they may come back and have lunch with you after having that internship for a mm-hmm. couple of weeks and say, hey, this is what I'm experiencing. You know, what do you think? And mm-hmm. kind of having a dialogue with them about that and, and facilitating that reflection for them by asking those questions, I think, is key. Okay. So, so most important is the reflection. Mm-hmm. All across the board in leadership development, I believe that is probably one of the most impactful um, processes that you can go through. And honestly, I think that's why I was so excited to work on this book with you because so much of what is a part of that book is mm-hmm. the reflective piece. Right. It is so important. It's so much of what I try to teach in my classes. And Mm -hmm. then the book, I think, facilitates that as well for people. Yeah, that was the feedback I heard from students is that's what they liked the most. Right. Because they've never done it. (laughs) Some of them have never taken the time. They've not been encouraged to. No. Like, why would I? Nobody, Nobody said it was valuable. Right. And there's so many things distracting students these days Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, whether it be trying to get done what they need to to graduate and be successful in life Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or, you know, technology being so, you know, at your fingertips. I think that some students are reflecting through blogging nowadays. And so, um, you know, I think there are some some ways that that is being facilitated outside of, Mm. you know, a course context or a a workshop Mm -hmm. or or a book, you know, but Mm -hmm. um, but the majority of the students that I encounter just have not done extensive reflection mm-hmm. on their lives up until this point. Yeah, it is kind of cool to, to just read the reflections. Yes. And, and where they go. I actually learn a ton <laughs> from my students, <laughs> yeah, um, I which I love. And I think mm-hmm. it's an honor and privilege sometimes to kind of have that window into their experience and into their lives and be able to encourage that, mm-hmm. that growth for mm-hmm. them. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that, that would be probably my favorite part as well. Mm-hmm. And some of them are just funny. Yes, they are. In a very sweet. (laughs) (laughs) So we've talked about reflection. What does the research say about the most important areas of growth for college student leaders specifically? Yeah, so I think we talked a little bit about this already, um, but this notion of learning to manage failure is also kind of wrapped up in this idea of of Um, self-efficacy. And I think students really... It's important that they feel self-efficacious as part of their... (laughs) I want to feel self-efficacious today. (laughs) Well, it means that you are are confident in your ability to tackle particular skills or particular um, areas. And, you know, leadership is one of those areas, right? So if I do not feel that I am able to be a leader, then I am not going to challenge myself or put myself in situations where I might have that role okay 
Um, but if I feel like I can handle that and I am potentially, you know, feel self-confident and good mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. taking on a leadership role, then I'm much more likely to do it and much more likely to do it well. Um, and so just helping students see themselves as leaders. Um, okay. Because I, I think a lot of them are sort of thinking leadership is in the distant future. It's yeah. not yeah, now. It's not current. Do. Right? It's, it's, yeah. it's something that I will eventually become or eventually mm-hmm. grow into. Mm-hmm. And I really try to help students focus on you can lead now. Like, you don't have to you wait do to be a leader. Now. Yeah, you do. Um, and in, in and in the small ways, I think it's so important to help students see the small ways that they that they can lead or that they mm-hmm. are leading. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's not always just about a position that they might hold, yeah. Yeah. but that you know, speaking up in the classroom or being a part of your group project or um, volunteering at the voter registration table or you know, little things that they can do are leadership. Now, I'm just thinking of some of the the challenges they face that we kind of didn't, right? So, I'm a leader when I stand up for not bullying someone. Absolutely. When I stand up for not doing drugs. Mm -hmm. And there are lots of ways that my... And I don't have to make a big public stand choosing to to just say, I'm out. Yes. Maybe a big leadership step. Right. Well, and what's interesting is a lot of the... You know, research currently that's happening around leadership is focusing really on on the relational aspects of leadership. You know, mm-hmm. how do we interact with one another okay. um, in leadership contexts, and less so on uh, sort of trait based leadership, which is really yeah. really old leadership theory. This notion that you have to have these particular traits, and then you are a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is that while the research is focusing more on sort of the relational aspects and while I think, you know, our book does a good job of doing mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the leadership contexts that they might witness or be a part of, yeah. they're seeing trait-based leadership. They're hearing messages that say, if you're not charismatic or you're not a good public speaker, or, right, or you're not extroverted or you're not a white male in some ways, <laughs> then you are not necessarily destined to be a quote-unquote leader. Mm-hmm. Um, so you ha- we have to counteract some mm-hmm. of those messages that are out there for students to be able to feel like they can be, they have the self-efficacy to lead. So when you say trait-based leadership, mm-hmm. give an example again, or, or say more. Trait-based leadership is, is really uh, old leadership theory that, that purports that we have to acquire certain traits mm-hmm. or be a certain way in order to be mm-hmm. an effective okay. leader. Versus relational, which is... Which is more about um, being that good listener, um, being supportive, empowering others, trust and delegation, mm-hmm. um, and really uh, being a part of a process as opposed to this sort of leader-centric view that I have the power and it's my way or the highway uh-huh. and you know those kinds of notions of leadership, mm-hmm. that there's some sort of expert power that exists for leaders to be able to do more Mm -hmm. than everyone else is doing when in fact as a leader you know what we're kind of trying to teach nowadays is more Mm -hmm. how do we become more part of the process how do we get more people involved how do we listen listen to varying perspectives you know how do we collaborate all of those those pieces are part of more of a relational Mm -hmm. approach to leadership so my power in essence as a leader or my influence comes from 
I can inspire followership, not I'm in charge, so you're going to follow me or Correct. I'll fire you. Yes. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> very, yes. very different view. Mm-hmm. A, and the idea that we are working much more collaboratively. I think of IT, and we used to have the, I'm going to go back to my cubicle and work on stuff. And right. now we've got agile work teams. Everything's in teams. Right. If I can't work relationally, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm done. Correct. Before I start. I recently had a student who went to a job interview, uh, and it was all group focused. The mm-hmm. interview was all group oh, focused, and the and he did not get the job. And the feedback um, from not getting that position mm-hmm. was that he took charge too much. Okay, right, which he which thought we was right. What or what? Yeah, sure. What he's been taught his whole life probably mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. step up, you know, take charge, be the leader. And in fact, the feedback was you did that too much, you know. You know, it's interesting when I listen to presidents and presidential candidates, how much we hear, I did. Mm-hmm. He didn't do. Mm-hmm. Somebody did. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it right. probably wasn't you. Right. Right. <laughs> but, but our society says, when yeah. I'm in charge, I command. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't have as many role models or scenarios that students get to witness that really show that relational leadership in action. You know, it was fascinating for me. I was teaching grad students a couple election cycles ago and watching one of the students make that shift from the thinking that I did, I have, I'm in charge, to a, a greater sense of team. Certainly our presidents have cabinets sure. and they should rely heavily on their cabinets. Mm-hmm. But our languaging... Mm-hmm. We, we, I think, physiologically even still respond to leader in charge. I'm safe. You got it. Right. I can go do my thing. Right. So, so it's, it's been interesting. How do we change our language and how does it actually impact the leader's ability mm-hmm. when we use softer and, I would say, more accurate language. And more inclusive language, Mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. And yet, periodically, I'm called in to coach someone because they're not leaderly enough. Right. Which is, they're not assertive enough. Yeah. Which is interesting. It is. I mean, it's very, it's perpetuating throughout our organizations, Mm -hmm. this this very leader-centric trait-based approach when mm-hmm. when in in our research and in you know scholarly work and in a lot of the conversations within leadership circles in the profession of leadership mm-hmm. we're not talking about that kind of leadership we're we're really focused more on you know authentic leadership and group oriented leadership mm-hmm. and facilitating um, you know for others through leadership uh, which is not necessarily happening as much as we would like it to be you know that's part of my work and your work is changing the conversation, mm-hmm. right? That yes. what we used to see as effective leaders, hence the Leader 2050 work, right. what we saw as effective was in fact effective right. at a point in time. As time moves forward and as we face a different set of circumstances in the world, those old trait-based behaviors, I'm in charge do what I say or I'll fire you. Mm-hmm. And it might have been easier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I get my way. Everyone does what I say. <laughs> Life is good. <laughs> Until it's not. Right. <laughs> but the other is, it's, it is not inclusive, right? If I don't, if I'm introverted, which I am, I'm not going to be a good leader. 
Right. If I'm not assertive in a certain way, I'm not going to be a good leader. And so after break, I'd like to come back and talk about strengths-based work. Sure. Because I know that that's a passion and a, a research focus for you. And, and it seems like that dovetails perfectly with the relational leadership piece. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go to break. We'll be right back. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Real estate has always been a great investment, but some people don't always know where they can start. Why not think like a real estate investor? Tune into Keeping It Real with Lori Wetzel. It's not just about buying and selling houses. It's about creating lifestyles, financial freedom, and empowerment. We'll talk about the latest real estate news, financial literacy, and our featured guests include authors, entrepreneurs, and celebrities. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Central, and 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organization. Today, our guest is Amy Barnes, and we're talking about developing college students. So, Amy, we talked about, and in in the book, you did a lot of work to make sure that our approach was leveraging all of the research underpinning what helps college students develop as leaders. We talked about strengths. Mm -hmm. Would you share more about that and some of the other tools and approaches that really are valuable for college students? Yeah, so I think any um, exercise or activity that students can do to help them better understand themselves Mm -hmm. is helpful. Okay. Um, 
So, uh, you know, one of the tools that I often use in my class um, is the Strengths Finder instrument. Mm-hmm. I also have used um, multiple other assessments, not just that mm-hmm. one. But, mm-hmm. um, and I and I, I don't put a ton of stock, honestly, into assessment results other than that they are a window or a snapshot into who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it can facilitate some great um, conversation and learning for students. Mm-hmm. But I try to emphasize that it is not the end-all be-all, you know, that this assessment is not going to give you all of the answers about your future. No, um, it's actually just a foundation for reflection, it's right? It's just a foundation for reflection. Um, and so I emphasize that a lot in my classes. But, you know, I do think it is useful. And um, what I like about strengths-based approaches, which are, mm-hmm. are you know, much more than just the strengths finder, but mm-hmm. um, is that it is empowering. Mm-hmm. And it is allowing students to see the positive attributes of the roles that they play that might mm-hmm. be unique from mm-hmm. the role that someone else might naturally play in a setting mm-hmm. and that all of those are helpful to a team um, so you know if you're a competitive person mm-hmm. that's helpful to a team but if you are um, interested in data analysis that's also incredibly helpful mm-hmm. to a team mm-hmm. um, if you are an executor and you like to get things done and check things off your list that's helpful to a team if you mm-hmm. are someone who easily is strategic and sees a vision for the future then that's helpful to a team so I, all those different aspects mm-hmm. are needed you know one of the ways I like using assessments is exactly what you're pointing to and the idea that I move out of the, I'm good, and if you're like me, you're good. And if you're different, you're maybe not so good. Exactly. That it then creates a broader level of acceptance of differences, and I can appreciate who you are mm-hmm. and the perspectives you bring mm-hmm. as, a, as a unique and different person. Yeah. And I like to recommend for for people that if you're taking assessments like that in intact mm-hmm. groups, you know, I, that you have some sort of facilitator to help you get at some of that because mm-hmm. a lot of times if you just take an assessment, read through the results yourself, um, you're going to get stuck in that trait-based perspective yeah, yeah. by thinking, oh, I, I mean, I've, ha- I've had students take mm-hmm. the strengths finder and say, oh, I got all the wrong strengths for leadership. <laughs> and I'm like, no, actually, uh, these are great strengths for leadership. They're just not what you've heard is the most valued by your profession or society or, you know, but mm-hmm. let's debunk that a little bit. Let's critique it. Let's analyze it and think about why that is. Um, we do, you know, and so I, I fear that sometimes without a facilitator to help kind of guide mm-hmm. through an mm-hmm. assessment process that people um, very quickly kind of revert back to that trait-based thinking. Um, I, I like that connection of where traits then fall. You know, one of the things we talk about in the in the book series is I have the, that series of traits, and then I have a developmental path. Yes. And as I mature through the growth process, I leverage the traits I have, and I expand my capacity. Yes. So if I need to be able to do something that I'm not good at, right. I can still build it. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, mostly play to my strengths. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, I, you know, I, we, we all have to operate in areas mm-hmm. that are not our strengths in, in mm-hmm. multiple contexts. <laughs> um, that happens. But if you can identify the things that you are, are good at and the things that you mm-hmm. enjoy mm-hmm. Um, and get involved in those arenas, mm-hmm. then your leadership is going to probably come more naturally than it would if you're feeling not a fit with the, the space you're living in. So I started my career in finance, 
I, I mm. was an economics major. I was not really sure what economists did when I graduated from college, so I was maybe on the slow curve. Got a job in finance and changed jobs five times in the first five years. I was convinced they were all dumb and I knew what I was doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so I learned that um, I was wrong. Right. And I took an assessment that probably saved my career. Right. And what I learned was I shouldn't be in finance. Mm-hmm. I was a bad fit. Not finance people are good or bad. I didn't belong there. And I had to work really hard to be as competent, in part because I'm not as detail-focused. Right. I'm more conceptual. Right. So what I needed to do was find where I fit. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. worked out. Yes. And it's such a huge part of the college experience, mm-hmm. as you know, mm-hmm. sort of figuring out that professional track and where do I fit that it can really lead to some good conversations to be able to take some of those assessments mm-hmm. and think through some of that um, I just I don't put I don't want to overemphasize I guess mm-hmm. the assessments yeah. Yeah, yeah. for students because the reflective piece is the key okay mm-hmm. so you've also talked about perspective taking mm-hmm. as another set of skills to develop yeah so some of the research that's come out more recently around college student leadership development is really showing a connection between um, what what the researchers are calling social perspective taking okay. um, as a contributor to leadership development and growth. And this is the idea that, you know, there are multiple perspectives out in the world and there's a lots mm-hmm. of opinions um, on issues and being able to listen to those other viewpoints and... You don't have to necessarily agree, um, but being able to incorporate those. I mean, there's there's some higher level thinking that takes place for students when you can hold sort of multiple truths at the same time, right? Okay. You can, you know, cognitively say, I believe this, but I also see this as mm-hmm. valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of that, you know, cognitive work that students are experiencing by staying up late on the residence hall floor and debating mm-hmm. about, you know, current issues mm-hmm. is super helpful um, in developing their leadership abilities because then they go into a leadership context and they are more likely to ask from multiple perspectives in a group mm-hmm. setting. Mm-hmm. They're more likely to see value mm-hmm. in having multiple perspectives at the table. Um, and, I, you know, I think the other piece of that is that even digging down deeper, having what the researchers are calling sociocultural conversations is really impactful as well, which basically means across difference, across culture, across um, you know gender, across race, across political, um, views. political views, international you know mm-hmm. contexts, mm-hmm. that those experiences are really broadening students' worldviews and allowing them to see you know beyond their own experience, which is really, really important as we're hoping to develop global mm-hmm. leaders yeah, for society, yeah. um, that they can and they can do that and that it, it positively contributes to all of the other aspects of leadership, including self-efficacy and, and um, you know, growth and development as an individual. Politics must be on my mind today, but just thinking <laughs> about if I can listen to and respect different points of view. Mm-hmm. I don't have to agree with you. Correct. But I have to hear you out and ask the question, what is true for me in that different point of view? Yes. Or, or what is valid or what is reasonable? Right. What is missing from my view? And honestly, the the process of going through and thinking in that moment, I might be wrong about this. <laughs> Let me listen for a minute is actually very growth focused right to be able mm-hmm. to say mm-hmm. you know i'm not always right and I'm often not right right and and let me let me take a minute and listen to this other perspective mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
for me, that's a huge takeaway. And again, it's counter to what our traditional leadership looks like, where I'm supposed to be the guy with the answers, guy or woman with the answers, person. Mm -hmm. And yet, I really personally want to work with someone who is continuing to grow. Right. Things are changing so quickly that if you're not updating your perspective, you're going to be off track pretty darn quickly. Right. I try to role model this in my classroom all the time um, in the way that I teach. You know, I I have my students sit in a circle if the class is small enough and I can Mm -hmm. facilitate that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I actually, in the very first day, talk to them about how this is not me, expert knower, Mm -hmm. you know, sending Mm -hmm. my knowledge down to you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And really how I expect them all to be leaders and contributors in the classroom that Mm -hmm. I want to hear their personal stories. I want to hear their perspectives. I want to hear their learning um, and their narratives as part of the sort of creating a shared learning experience Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. shared knowledge. Like we're going to cultivate knowledge in this space together. And I have some knowledge that you don't, and you have some knowledge that I don't. And Mm -hmm. let's, let's Mm -hmm. kind of, I'll, I'll put the topics and the readings together and then we'll, then we'll move forward. And I have similar, I do it slightly differently, but once they get comfortable with that, Mm -hmm. because it is a shift from, I'm in charge with the chalk or whatever, the PowerPoint, to they learn as much from each other. Absolutely. And not to diminish that I, same, I know stuff, Mm -hmm. but I don't know their world like they know their world. Correct. And that, that has been true for undergrads, for MBAs. And in leadership settings, when I walk into a big client, I, it's the same stuff, mm-hmm. right? I, I'm certainly hired to know something, yes. so I don't go in empty-headed. But I, the presumption that I'm smarter than they are about their work is pretentious. It's dumb. Yes. It can't be true. Right. So let's. do you have any final notes mm-hmm. before we wrap up? Um, buy the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure, buy the book. Um, I mean, I think that just today's college students do a lot of comparing themselves to others. And mm-hmm. if there's one message that I would like to kind of put out there, it's that you need to work on your own sort of personal growth and development unique to everyone else's. Stop okay. worrying about how that compares to others and really figure out who you are. Cool. And I have a couple of notes. So one was learn to manage failures, Mm -hmm. build Mm self-efficacy, build Mm self-confidence. Reflection is key. Mm -hmm. Building that skill is a life skill. It's a leadership skill. It will set me ahead continually. Social perspective taking. Mm -hmm. Again, tying back to that, I have enough self-confidence that I'm okay being wrong. Yes. If I don't have the foundation of self-efficacy, then being wrong is death. If I trust myself and I can reflect, then that ability to take in different points of view, run them through the reflection machine. Correct. Update my view of myself and my view of the world. That's the kind of leader I want to follow. So all of that says moving away from traits moving toward this ability to be relational. Yes. So thank you. You're welcome. Hopefully our listeners have heard something that they can use to help the young people in their lives, whether they're college students or interns 
or young professionals. Mm -hmm. These skills, the ability to reflect, the, the ability to take perspectives, the requirement for building that self-confidence that just comes with, with maturing. All, we as leaders need to be helping our young people. I, I assume most of the people on the call are already doing that. Hopefully, we've talked about something that will allow you to be more effective. Thank you for joining us. This is Maureen Metcalf and Amy Barnes. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you here next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 